Hi, you're listening now to the Spokane Man podcast on Spotify and wherever you get your podcast from. Okay, I'm recording now, so we'll count her down in three, two, one. There you go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spokane Man podcast. Uh, hanging out here with my buddy, Mr. Paul Martin with the Martin <laughs> Family Circus or Rockland Road. How are, you, how are you doing, Paul? Doing pretty good. It's just uh, we're we're sitting here today in Nashville, and it's it's kind of like we've had a couple of mild days here of weather where it's been like almost spring-like. But as we're talking, the temperature's going down, and by about five or six tonight, we're supposed to get a wintry mix, which in Nashville that can be bad news because nobody knows how to drive here in wintry mix. <laughs> in Spokane, you guys you guys got this fat master, you know. So <laughs> it's snowing right now. Yeah, it's winter time. It should be snowing. I know. <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't know the history of Paul Martin, Paul Martin, he played for Marty Stewart and the Fabulous Superlatives. Talk to us a little bit about what it was like working with the great Marty Stewart. What's funny, Marty and I go back even further because I met Marty. I was the lead singer, lead guitar player for the group Exile from 1988 to 1994. And Marty, when when Marty was first getting going with his. Um, you know hillbilly rock that era when he you know you know marty has a great history uh marty at 14 years old started playing mandolin with lester flat who was you know legendary bluegrass artist and then marty played with um johnny cash in the early 80s and and actually at one point was married to one of johnny's daughters and uh but marty went in to be a solo artist in the mid to late 80s and he finally struck pay dirt with hillbilly rock and uh, he also did a, a remake of the old Johnny Cash classic, Cry, Cry, Cry. And um, when I was with Exile, we did shows with Marty. And, and we just struck up a kinship. We're in, uh, we've been friends for a long time. And um, back in night, uh, 2008, I'm, I'm going back another century here. Uh, back in 2008, Marty had put together the superlatives a few years earlier than that. And um, the guy that was playing bass had decided to leave. And um, so... I, it was funny because one of my buddies had told me like on a Saturday night, he goes, man, I hear, you know, Brian's leaving the superlatives. And I said, well, that's a shame. I wonder who Marty would get to replace Brian. He's a good singer and, and player. And on Monday morning, my phone rings and it's Marty. He goes, man, what are you doing this weekend? <laughs> and I said, well, what are you doing this weekend? And he said, well, come out and play some bass with me this weekend. So I went, I, they sent me the songs and I got them in an email. I sat down and listened to them, charted out what I didn't know, got my head around it and got on a bus on Friday night and went and played a show on Saturday. And after we played two shows that day. And after the first show, Marty, we're sitting on the bus and he goes, Hey man, what are you doing next weekend? I said, not a thing. What are you doing? He said, well, come play the Opry with us. So I went and played the Opry, and then he called me a few days later and said, hey, come by the office. I'm going to talk to you. He said, man, why don't you just join this band? <laughs> so I got on board in like February of 2008, and in that, you know, in that process of time, um, I had, I'd started my family. I had four kids, you know, we had two boys and two girls and, and really Marty, when I started playing with Marty, my kid, my boys were just old enough. One was like in third or fourth grade. The other was like kindergarten and they loved, already loved music. And if you know my background, like with, with exile and all that, also my father-in-law, my wife, Jamie, you know who Dwayne Allen is. Yeah. He's the lead singer of the Oak Ridge boys. This will be his 55th year with the Oaks. And, uh, Jamie and I have been married almost 26 years now. I've been together almost 30. And uh, so her mom's been singing at the Grand Ole Opry, a backup singer, for 40 years. And um, 
then you know of course last year with the covid everything coming out that you know she just decided i think i think i think her, her mom told me that she's probably going to retire now because it's like you know she's enjoyed being at home and stuff and um but but the family heritage here <clears throat> my poor kids you know that's all they know is music so they started playing at a very young age and we started getting with the family like 10 years ago and um we were just doing this for fun you know just kind of teach them harmony don't learn any songs and about that we were just watching kind of you know kind of accelerate and so in 2014 around christmas i called marty and i said man i said marty i'm certainly not not mad or anything like i said but i want to go do this with my family and and he goes man i understand because i hate to see you leave but i understand and um <clears throat> but you know him and connie are kind of like family in fact tomorrow tomorrow my two sons and i we're going up with we're going in the studio with marty cut a couple of songs with him he wants us to play on a couple of tracks for him he's working on a little solo thing right now and so <laughs> we'll go well, like he called the other day and said you know let's get together he said hey let's go have some fun you know <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they're him and Connie are like I say they're family, and and um, but Marty, like I said, he's he is such a ambassador to country music. He the 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 fun part about playing with the superlatives <clears throat> was the fact that Kenny and Harry, all of us, all of us love music. We love classical country music. We love, we just love music in general, and everybody's kind of a student. You know, we've all. Uh, we'd sit on the bus and everybody talks music history and you research you ask questions there's lots of great stories there's stories you can't tell because it would destroy people's lives but <laughs> there's a, a somebody sent me a thing the other day that mike judge did called tales from the tour bus i don't know if you've seen that or not but it's basically it's kind of true stories and they take the people talking and turn them into cartoon characters and i guess that kind of takes a little of the reality you know, it pulls a little reality away but i mean yeah there's some funny stories out there and you know that but like you know that but marty's such a like i said he's just a he's a hard-working guy he's just a ball of energy still is you know so you know you mentioned the oak ridge boys and the oak ridge boys are i hope Dwayne allen hears this or sees this i don't know how ever you get this to <laughs> but i heard some somewhere along the lines of you had a song from merle haggard that they were to pitch to Dwayne for their rock of ages album yeah, it's it's a great story. I was still playing with Marty, and and Marty, our, the Marty and the superlatives were Merle Haggard. His daughter got married by, by about eight years ago, <clears throat> and uh, we were the we were the we were the wedding band. <laughs> we went there and we went out to Merle's quite a bit and recorded with him <clears throat> before. You know, this is like about seven eight years ago, and we had so much fun. And I really got to know Merle better. I'd, I'd run across Merle all through the years I've been, you know, in the exile years. And I would, we'd do a show here and there, and you might get to say hi to him, but we got to spend some one-on-one time with him. And he was a brilliant guy. I mean, he's a, he was such a smart guy. You know, it's interesting. If you know his history and, and, and stuff, and then you really get to talk to him, you just realize this guy was kind of on genius levels. I mean, he really was. But we're sitting there at the – we're playing it at his daughter's wedding you know after the wedding's over we're like the reception band of course merle got up with us and we played a bunch of classic merle which they you know that i've got somebody sent me a picture i don't know who took it but i've got it in my collection and it's a picture of me standing right behind merle on on bass he's playing the guitar and singing a song you know i, I just cherish it because it's like the memories uh but anyway one of the guys came up to me that night and said hey paul he said, "Could he, Merle wrote this song? It's a it's a gospel song." He said, "Could you get it to um, could you get it down to to Dwayne?" I said, "Well, you know I will." So they gave it to me 
on a CD that night. I brought it back home. I, I, we were laughing. I, I guess you'd call me a mule. <laughs> so I, I brought it to, to Dwayne and him, and they, of course, they loved the song, and, but the, they, they, put a, they put a condition on it. They said, we'll cut this song, but Merle has to do the recitation. <laughs> so he did, and um, they... Uh, they got they got a Dev Award. That was like you know that year for that song. So, 2015. Yeah, and you know that's what I love about music is everybody kind of. We were, I was just talking to my son just just before we got on this call. He would just gotten a call about playing in, on a, a a gig and uh, a guy he's been writing with is an artist that's kind of coming out. And I was just telling him, I said, I said, yeah, I, I'd go do it because I said, you know, you know, in any business, it's all about connections. And the thing about the music industry, it's 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 big, but it's not that big. It's kind of like they say Hollywood is. It, you just know all these people, and you start talking, and you find out you know so many of the so many of the same people. And uh, we went to tape a TV show last night. Our family did, and. Um, the house band i I didn't even know you know we walk in we do our thing and then we're getting ready to start taping and some of the house band they're like some of my oldest dearest friends and some of my musical heroes and we it was like we got to visit and have a great time before you know and they sat in front while we performed i tell them i say thanks a lot guys you're intimidating me stop that you know (laughs) but it's just everybody knows everybody and and uh you know, and we all kind of pull together. I mean, there's, there's, you know, that's what I've always loved about the music industry is if somebody's having a tough, a tough go, there's always somebody that will step up. I can tell you my, my own father-in-law, Dwayne, the Oaks have done some things people don't even know about. Um, I saw, I witnessed firsthand when I, I played bass for the Oaks back in 1998 through 2002. And then, you know, we had our family. I lost my father uh, my mother died in the, like 1989, right after I joined Exile. My my father died 10 years later. Well, when my father died, you know, it puts you in a real interesting place, you know, mentally because I'm going, well, I got two boys here. I need to be a father. I need to be in presence. So that's when I left the Oaks. But it was just, you know, to be a dad. But the uh, the thing is, in my years with the Oaks, we played a show one time where somebody, they were, they were Oak Ridge Boys fans, obviously, and they'd never really promoted a show before. And it's not, you know, it's not easy. Uh, it's not like, hey, you just go rent a, a building and sell tickets and, and everybody shows up. These folks, they hired a guy to help them promote the show, and he wasn't he wasn't a good guy. And so, you know, when you play a show, if you hire the Oak Ridge Boys or Marty Stewart or anybody, when you sign a contract, usually they ask for a little deposit money up front. And that's just kind of a safety net. Say so if something goes wrong, and they, if they drove to the gig, well, that covers their fuel and you know their cost to get there but uh that's really the only reason I, and uh so anyway the oaks had gotten their deposit we show up to the show and it's in like a high school football field and there's hardly anybody it was for a foster child home and um they didn't the, the promoters messed them over so when we got to do the show that night there was probably 100 200 people there maybe tops i mean it was it was you know they took a really bad a bath on it you know financially when the road manager, he, he came to the bus, the, the, the people had given him the check for the balance of the show. You know, that's kind of how all shows work. And um, when they got on the bus, Dwayne and him looked at each other and they said, we can't take this money. Take that money. Give it to the foster child's home. You know, he said, you, you said, you know, your deposit covers our expenses. We can pay our band and our crew. We'll take, we'll do this for free. We just, you know, cause they did not want to see these guys lose their money. You know, they probably lost their house over there. They, you know, so. I'm going I'm to move real fast, but I'm going to keep talking. Okay. I still wanna, I'm, I'm still interested, but I'm, I'm walking down here. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
I got a bunch of crap I'm doing, but um, but um, talk to you. Got to sing at the Oak Ridge Boys' medallion ceremony for the Country Music Hall of Fame. Yes. How cool was that? Well, it was cool on so many levels because a. Dwayne didn't know. We kept that a secret. They caught like we knew they were going into the Hall of Fame like in May of 2015, you know. And I just left Marty and was starting to do this thing with the family full time, and it was like starting over. For I mean, it was, it was basically you know I, everything I'd done. It was kind of like that didn't matter anymore. It's like we're starting with a clean slate. And uh, I kid, I kidded my boys. I said, guys, I, it's kind of exciting. I feel like I'm a teenager in my first bands again. I said, but there's a problem here. I'm not a teenager, <laughs> you know. So, um, but in May, the announcement came that the Oaks were going to the Hall of Fame. Well, we were we were excited and proud, and for all the all the reasons anybody would be if it was your family and stuff. Well, about two weeks after that happened, we get a, a letter and a call from the Hall of Fame. They said, Paul. We've all talked about, we've sat in meetings, who could sing Elvira? And all these names are thrown out, and it's like everybody unanimously said the only logical choice would be Dwayne's kids and his his, his daughter and son-in-law and their, you know, their, their kids. And he's, and so that's what that was called then. We had to keep a secret from Dwayne from May to October. And it was what was funny was the night of the medallion ceremony, we were there because Dwayne, we, we were there because we're a family, of course. He had no idea. And what was funny, as we were getting, as the show was getting ready to start that night, we had all these people coming up because we can't wait to hear you guys sing. We can't, and how they know we're singing. And it turns out the program that everybody got that night had a, like a rundown. So Jamie texted her mom and said, Mama, whatever you do, don't let daddy see the program because it's got us listed that we've tried to keep this so she was able to kind of distract him and the lights went down he never looked at the program again so when we came out on stage that night he said you know i just he started they started playing videos and stuff and he said all of a sudden i'm thinking you know all just gonna you know give our family a little nod for stuff like that and here here comes jamie and me and the kids out on stage and her dad stood there. He just sat there and stood there the whole time we sang it. His hand was over his mouth. He was just in shock. And there, there was just a sweet, there's a sweet exchange. And, and I, I can, it gets me emotional thinking about it. The sweetest exchange is like he's sitting there looking at his grandkids and, of course, Jamie. And he just, he's very choked up emotionally. You know, it's a very special moment for our family. You know, he was so proud. And then, you know, at, at that very moment, and of course, my kids, you know, you know who our opening act was that night? Right after Garth Brooks. <laughs> We had to follow Garth Brooks. Garth and Trisha came out and sang a couple of songs. And we were, you know, it's just like, it's it's a fun, there's a great story behind the whole thing. One of the boys got stuck. He got food poisoning in, in the afternoon from whatever we had for lunch. So he was having to make constant trips to the restroom. It, it was like the perfect storm, <laughs> you know. And then it was just it was just crazy, you know, the things that happened that people probably don't realize, you know, what, what's going on. And it, it, it was a, but it's a, a night I guess we'll never, rem, never forget, you know, it's like, uh, it was, a, it was a wonderful evening. So, so talk to us. How did you guys work it out? Because I was when I was watching the medallion ceremony, I was watching your daughter after your son got done doing the um papa mau mau's. Your daughter did an um papa mau mau. <laughs> yeah, it's well. The thing was, we 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 went kind of create our own little version of it. You know, they kind of make it a little swampy or whatever, and. Um, because we knew we, we didn't really have a bass singer. And so we just thought, well, let's have a little fun with this and, and entertain the people. You know, it's like, because, you know, the Oak Ridge Boys, two things that they do. They, they have great songs and they are great entertainers. I'll tell you what, 
you never really want to follow the Oak Ridge Boys. I'm telling they're they're such entertain. I mean, they just really understand that. They know how to bring energy. Uh, even even at this point in their life, I mean, they're all older men and they're doing 150 shows a year. But they they know they're old pros. And for my kids, it's been great to to show, watch these guys. Watch what they do. You know, they know how to when somebody's singing lead. Uh, if, they, if 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 one of the guys is up front singing, you, the other guys don't do things to distract. They support, you know. And when it's time for all of them to go downstage and do something to the audience, they all come. They, they just just seasoned professionals, you know. And um, so it's like we had to, we go. We got to do something like they would do. So what could we do that would make people laugh or you know bring bring some joy to it, you know, for the moment? So it's just a little gag we worked up just just for that occasion, you know. So so I honestly. The Spokane Man podcast, that that's my podcast, and obviously we're taping it here, and uh, this is going to be released today. Um, this is going to be released <laughs> all over. But um, one thing that is about the Spokane Man podcast that not a lot of people know is the fact of the matter is, is that we try to move and, uh, and try and get real positive, cool guests on there. And so when I was doing my research and when I was looking it up and I was thinking, who can I get on my podcast? And then it hit me, Dwayne's grandkids and his son, Paul Martin. I mean, there's such, Paul Martin is such a historian. He goes back with Marty Stewart. And I'm thinking, well, hey, if I can get Paul on here, there's he's got to text Marty and say, hey, man, you got to get on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, hey, man, you got to get Merle, Marty Stewart on here. And then I was thinking to myself, Paul Martin is has played with everything, and you did something before William Lee Golden joined the group back in nineteen eighty. Yeah. Back in ninety-six. Yeah, yeah. Ninety-six. Yeah. And you were singing and touring with them, but you did something not a lot of bass players can do. They sprung a one-hour Christmas show on you. Yeah, what had happened at the time the Oaks when I sang with the Oaks back in the nineties, I was trying to be a soloist. I, Exile had just stopped touring, and uh, um, when when I I got a publishing deal, well, I, in the interim between publishing deal and Exile, a lot of people, some people know this, but you know, I went and played steel guitar for Kathy Matea, and sang played you know sang with her. It was weird because she had heard we were stopping touring. Well, I get a call from Kathy out of the clear blue, and she says, "Hey, Paul." Um, I'm putting out this new record, and she said it's kind of got quite a bit of stuff on it. And uh, I wanted to add like another band player. She said somebody's kind of a utility guy that can play different different instruments. And uh, I don't know if you're be interested or not. I said, well, sure, that sounds like fun. And she goes, I don't even know what you play. She said, just come by the management office. That they'll give you the new album. Go listen to it and kind of tell me what you think you'd do. So um, I went and got the stuff and listened to it. And I said, you know, Kathy, it sounds like you need it. You don't have a steel player, do you? She goes, no. I said, well. And she goes, you know, do you play steel? I said, well, I call myself a steel guitar owner, but but I, I think I can do the parts on there, you know. So <laughs> we, uh, um, we, we, you know, so I went and did that, and then, like I said, in the meantime, I got my publishing deal, and I was starting to, I'd gone, you know, shopping labels and stuff, and then um, I was Jamie and I had gone to the songwriters festival in in like November of '95. We'd just gotten married, and. Um, I ran. Funny enough, I ran into William Lee Golden at that songwriters festival because one of his sons, Rusty, was kind of involved in it. And and William and I, he'd done a song on a on a solo album a few years earlier called uh, Louisiana Red Dirt Highway. And 
So we always, we all, I always just loved him, and 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 he was a good guy. And we kept talking about all the you know songs and stuff. And that weekend, I'm I'm hanging out with William, unbeknownst to me, and and William was. And the Oaks had a show in Texas that weekend, and the guy that had replaced William, Steve Sanders, uh, for some, uh, to this day, I don't know if anybody knows the story or why, they were in Dallas, Texas, or outside Dallas or somewhere, and uh, he got on a plane and flew home. During the sh- They had a show that night, and... He flew home. I don't know. Nobody really. Uh, uh, now I did know he had given his notice and was supposed to leave at the end of the year, but he, this was November, you know, and nobody really knew why. So in 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 a flurry of what are we going to do? Jamie's brother um, was working. He was in college. D. He was in college, but he was working at a restaurant at the time. And when J- Jamie's dad calls her mom, Norley, and and uh, tells him what's happened, and this is like four hours before the show. So they throw D on a plane and send him to Dallas. He gets there about, he gets on the ground. They get him to the show at about 30 minutes before showtime. They all go backstage and just kind of sing, you know, kind of touch a song here and there. You know, he knew the, he knew the parts. He knew what the parts were. He did the shows for like about three or four or five days. And then they had shows coming up, but he had finals. He was in college. So Dwayne called me and said, Paul, could you? And I was actually doing some solo shows. So we pl- I played a show in like Michigan like a week or two later. And Jamie and, and the people that played with me, all, they dropped me off at the airport in like Lansing, Michigan or somewhere. I flew from there to uh, Las Vegas. And I did two or three weeks out with them i had to learn all the, the classic songs and while we were there they had a show in phoenix that was a christmas show and i had to learn all the christmas stuff too <laughs> i've got a board tape of that on a cassette which i need to transfer it's like you know um because it's like you know those are great memories and then what was funny was um during that time i think that you know everybody was talking they all kind of started co- contacting william you know they'd all they kind of patched up things by that time anyway personally you know, man, success is a, it's a, it's definitely a, it's a, it's a, it's a pressure cooker. It affects everybody in different ways. And so it's real easy to lose your way and, and things just get a little out of whack, you know? And, but those guys, uh, have been together so long and they, they just immediately went and started talking to William. And on New Year's Eve of 1995 to 96, I actually went to the gig and sang, Jamie's brother sang some songs. I sang some songs. Nobody knew William was even there. And at when they struck the rung run in the new year to '96, Joe said, you know, talked about what had happened, and boom, here comes William. And it's like, and that's funny because that's almost 30 years ago. It's like 20, we 25 years this year coming up. You know, it's amazing. You know, William Lee. Uh, I, I've been wanting to get William Lee on here and his sons. I'm going to do a podcast. Chris. Yeah. Chris is a freaking phenomenal singer. I love Chris. Yeah, he's he's a and, good guy. Good, he's a very talented guy for sure. And Chris, he he has this solo project, and uh, Chris Golden, he his song, his new song that he had his dad on. Yeah, you see that Chris song? That song hits me at home, man. Yeah, it's like you know, uh, interesting. The boys, I know uh, uh, they're mixing the, the final mixes right now. You know, Chris uh, William Lee's first wife, and that's Chris and Rusty's and Craig's mother, who is one of the sweetest, sweetest women you would ever have met. They just she she battled uh, pancreatic cancer last year, and that you know she lost her battle few few weeks back, and uh, 
So the boys and their dad went in the studio and cutting some really neat stuff. I've heard a little bit of it because, interestingly enough, like I said, how small the world can be. The fellow that is run that travels with our family is, does our live sound. His name is Larry Mars. Larry played. He was Marty's first bass player. Mar- Larry and I've been buddies for thirty plus years. And um, what's funny is that Larry Larry left Marty in like the mid nineties, and of course Larry sung background him on uh, the song Choices by George Jones. He's on the song Yes I Admit I Got a Thinking. That's Larry on that record. Larry's singing on. Um, uh, Wild Angels by Martina McBride, another big hit. But he got into the studio thing. And then um, he, he's got a studio. And about four years ago, a, a, a mutual friend of ours was doing sound for us, we're our family. And he's an older guy. He didn't really want to be on the road. He never was a road guy. And he said, man, I've talked to Larry. He said he'd love to come out and do sound for you guys. I said, Larry wants to go back out on the road, you know. And he's become like my kids. He's, you know, when we travel down the road, he's on the on, with us. And, and it's like, he's like a, an uncle to my kids. And, but what's funny is that Larry's been working on the mixes of the new golden project. You know, it's like, it's just, we're all, it's all like this. And, um, so, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to hear the thing. Cause you know, th- those guys, they love music like I do. You know, we've all, we've all, you know, I've written with Rusty over the years and, you know, Chris and I played in the Oaks together when I was the bass player, Chris was a drummer, you know? So, you know, the cool thing is, is that. Chris, he can really play those drums. Yeah, he's a good drummer. He really is. You know, when when I was in the band, the Oaks band, our sound check. See, the boys they they've sung so we do instead of doing a sound check where they come in and we sing a song. Our thing was we would learn these really kind of complex like Steely Dan songs and stuff, and that was our sound checks. And of course, we all had a ball. We looked forward to sound check every day because we'd all try to learn the songs. Jamie's dad nicknamed us the Steely Daniels Band. <laughs> you know, but. Um, but but uh, we all and Chris, you I've got some recordings from our board tapes from just Soundcheck, and when I go back and listen to those from time to time, Chris was such a good drummer. You know, he really he really understood pocket and feel. You know, so. And do you, last question: Do you have any uh, funny memories from the road or with the Oakley's voice? Oh man, there's uh, there's there's some that I could tell, some I probably shouldn't because they're, they're 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 just funny. But but like. Um, Gosh, what am I trying to think about? Funny stories. Um, Tell a few. Uh, well, now the, what's funny? You know, I still when somebody gets sick, usually in the Oaks band, uh, like the bass player that, that's there now, Scotty. Uh, yeah. Scotty was with Travis Tritt for many, many years, and Scotty's been with the Oaks now about seven or eight years, and um, he had back surgery about three or four years ago. So I went and filled in on some dates, and I filled in on Steel for Rex. He had some heart surgery a few weeks, a few years ago, right after I left Marty, but there's a they had a drummer for a while that was a character he he's now uh, david played with travis tritt and he was with connie smith and he actually left connie what's that oh yes you know that okay so david would pick at the keyboard player and he would he would sneak he would record him on his iphone and he would sneak in and scare him and of course you know ronnie would kind of it was kind of you know and he recorded it so out of that just that's just boredom i guess and there's some of the funniest stuff they'd mess with ronnie and they'd record it and of course ronnie plays along it's just you know but i'm trying to think of a funny story um gosh um, oh, I'll tell you a good one. Here's a good one. I'll tell you a funny. And this this kind of involves me. Back in when I was playing bass for the Oaks, we played in Branson at the Grand Palace every almost every week. They in there like Wednesday and Saturday, and then we'd go you know all over the rest of the country. One time, early in the show when I was playing bass, the classic song "Leaving Louisiana in the Broad Daylight." Oh, you know, okay. 
the last verse there's a there was a um <clears throat> there's a thing about going to have to get it or a shotgun wheel there's a line about that so i, I caught richard when to do the song, he, Richard would kind of take his arms and act like he had a shotgun and do that. Well, da, 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 da. I thought, well, I'll, I'll play along. So I'd take my bass and I'd take my, and I'd do the same thing with him. Just as, you know, I was just trying to be supportive or whatever. Well, the lighting director caught me doing that a few times. So during a show in Branson, they had gone into the, to the rafters and they had put a box of feathers and a rubber chicken in a box. And when that happened, they pulled the lever and all of a sudden, right about just out in front of me, a bunch of feathers came down and a rubber chicken st- was on a string. It came down in front of me and it, it was like, and you know, and I, it was so funny that I, I almost couldn't play. I, I went to my knees. I was laughing so hard because it was, it was kind of a trick on me because when I did it, here comes a chicken down, you know, stuff like that. There's all kinds of, you know, stories like that, you know, because, because when you're out on the road, you know, 200 days a year we get to play for like an hour or two at the most in the day and then you spend the other you know 22 hours you grab some sleep grab a meal you're sitting on a bus riding around the country that's not that gets you know it can be monotonous so you know you, you like always people say you don't pay me to play you're actually paying me to travel down the road on the bus you know it's like <laughs> so well paul thank you so much for being here and um it's an honor and Hopefully, somehow, some way, Marty Stewart ever hears this, and I am, would love to have Marty Stewart on the Spokane Man podcast. If you could pass along that message, sure. And you know, probably if I told him, he would just you know he has a publicist firm. I don't know who he's doing his publicity right now, <coughs> but uh, if you got through his management company or something and told him you want to do a podcast, they put you in touch with his his publicist and probably could get something arranged. You know, and. Um, and Marty's he's he's a like I said dear he's family more he you know like I say he's more than just a friend he's really like he's like family we've just we've known each other a long time and um you know he's just been a been a good he's a good guy he's really he's a he's a real deal <coughs> and um I got to say that about a lot of people I've gotten to work with the Oaks you know um I'm so thankful that my father-in-law has done he, I mean he gets what I've done you know what I'm saying if I was married to a a, a woman that her, her dad wasn't in the music business they'd be telling their daughter when are you going to ask your your husband when are you going to get a real job you know <laughs> you know but we all understand the, the down the up and down about the business you know as, as you know anybody that plays music this last year has been oh it's been tough you know um i, I mean I, I can speak for every musician i know and and you know everyone and uh <clears throat> so i've got a dry throat here sorry about that and um it's like um it, it just blows me away how, um, you know, it's just, it's affected us all in, in different ways. You know, thankfully I've got my studio. So I've been doing, I'm actually getting ready to start on a Leroy Van Dyke project. I finished a, um, I did an old Jack Green Genie C project. There's a fella that owns these old recordings of our favorite country artists. They were cut in the late sixties, early mid seventies for armed forces radio. And I've done a Waylon Jennings with Robbie Turner. I've done uh, Connie Smith, Ferlin Husky. I'm sitting. I've got George Jones. I've got Charlie. I've got some great ones. But you know, we had to get the approval of the families or, or whoever to, to do the projects. But um, you know, but thankfully I've done these, and that's that's worked for me. That puts that keeps my family, you know, keeps my lights on, and I'm so grateful. But guys that that just play music, play an instrument, and they, they relied on the road to create their their living. It has affected so many of my friends, you know, and, uh, man, I'm hoping things get back to, you know, somebody said, what's normal. It's just a cycle on your dryer, you know? And so when I say get back to normal, I guess, you know, at least return to where we can all make our living doing what we love, you know, 
you know, like Jamie's dad says, music is essential, he believes. So. <laughs> you know, Dwayne's very, he's calling the mighty ace. Everybody calls him the mighty ace, and he very is the very mighty, and he is the ace. And, uh, you know, Paul, you, I don't know how many people have told you this, but I'm, I think I'm going to be the first one to tell you, if not a lot of people have. You and your family are an inspiration to me, and you guys um, inspired me to do music. And I was thank you. And I was thinking about recording a project, and I was like, "Oh man, you know, I don't want to have to call on people, you know, to come sing with me." But Paul, you and your family have a way of touching people with probably not even knowing it. It's very special to see that your kids are singing with you, your wife is singing with you, and that you all sing in harmony, but you also have to live in harmony as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, you know, and it's the thing, all honest, it, for me, I love music. I love my family. And it's like, when I was with Marty, it's like, it was, that was a fun time, but it was like, when we get on the, every time I get on the bus to leave, it was just, it was like always a, uh, you know, a pull at the heart. And I'm going, how can I do all, how can I, how can I have the best of both worlds? And my kids are showing all this musical ability, but it's like, I'm like you, it's like, for me to do this, I feel like as a family, I, you know, there's more than just music going on there and and you know my kids it's funny my kids are like typical siblings they can all get you know get get at each other's you know, throats at times but the, what the crack what cracks me up um well like for example i was telling you earlier i have an aunt that has alzheimer's she had no children and a couple of years ago i had to get guardianship so my jamie and i take care of her plus you know we're still raising family still trying to play music but interestingly enough <coughs> we were making trips back and forth to kentucky every week to go do business for her and take care of her stuff to see her and things like that and um our kids almost like look forward to us leaving because they would hey what are we going to do let's go get dinner let's go you know they all you know they really get along they really are you know you know more times than not they really seem to like each other and they all get along and you know and they all have their little quirks of course you know like um but but for the most part i'm so thankful but you know it's it's like i've always told jamie you know jamie and i've always we've been married like i say almost 26 years and um you know having a wife that understands what you do like if i said hey jamie i need to buy you know something for the studio you know she wouldn't go she wouldn't go well uh, well you've, you've got plenty of stuff you know she goes hey if you need it then get it or if we need to do you know it's it's that's kind of how it is is it a neater i mean we we're what's funny we're probably unusual musicians because when i left exile and was work, during the mid-90s when we were just getting married there's a guy named dave ramsey i don't know if you know who that is or not he's, he's the author of financial peace universe and all that stuff well we took the classes when we got married and you know uh, I don't care whether you're a musician or whatever you are, you know, we, we, it was, those were such helpful classes for us. Cause when you're raising a family, you know, you, you like, if you make a thousand dollars, you don't spend $2,000, you know, it's common sense stuff. But I think with musicians, it, it, you're creative. I mean, if you're, if you sing and play, you know what I'm talking about when you're creative, it, it, it's like, sometimes it's hard to bridge the gap of being rational about something and irrational. So it can make you want to, um, you know, how to, how to hold on to your money or whatever. So we've tried to be real, real frugal and, 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 you know, raise our family and, you know, through the lean times and through the, through the fat times, you know, <laughs> but you just try to, you know, so uh, there's a lot of that too, but, but it's really like, like you say, I, I, I'm, I've, I've been told a lot of times by people that how our family, when we're on stage singing, and that's really a big part of what we do and why we do it. I've always told my kids, you know, your job is when you sit up to sing a song, 
somebody in the audience could have had a bad day. They could have lost a loved one to death, lost a job, had a you know a spat with their spouse. I mean, there's you know any 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 scenario. I said if if people can walk out with a smile on their face when you're done, you've done your job. That's your job, you know, is to bring at least that's how I see music. I mean, it's like it's the place to go to get recharged and get reinvigorated and 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 forget your troubles, you know. And I know you know that that's just the way I've always looked at it. So. And uh, as we're wrapping up here, uh, you know, thank you, Paul, for being well, here. Th- well, thanks for asking me to be a part of this, Caden. So it's always, you know, it's it's sorry, it's very special for me to call on guys like you guys and call on. Um, do you know who Eric Dole is with Seventeen Rock and Review? Oh yes, I know Eric. Yes, we've talked quite a bit over the years. We're. Yeah. I did an interview with him and, you know, some things upon that nature. But I think the real one is, I think the real, you know, interview is with you. Have you, finishing it up, what has been the highlight of your career work, working with, well, or, man, working with the monks, the artists that you have worked together with? Man, well, there's so many high points. Uh, like I said, I've always told my kids, look at look at your granddad. I said, think of all the, the Oak Ridge Boys have sold 43 million records. They're in the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. And I said, granddad could have a list of pluses. I said, but then if he started showing his list of the, the bad things that happened, they far outweigh the good, but you do what you love. And it's like, man, in my lifetime, I've gotten to sing on hit records, play on hit records, play with some of my musical heroes and got, get to know some of them. And, you know, it, it like when Marty did the TV show, there'd be people who would come on that show that when I was a little boy, they they almost seemed kind of, you know, they seemed unreal to you because you're, you're seeing them on TV or something. And then you get to look them eyeball to eyeball and get to know them and talk to them and and uh, just see them as humans. And, and uh, there's just so many little things, you know, there's not one thing that really just jumps out. I just think of, I just always thankful. But, you know, like I've always said uh, with Exile, for example, I've always told people, the th- my my biggest uh, thing about being in the group exile was had I not joined that group in 1988, had I not been asked to you know come on board, I would have never met Jamie. I would never have my four kids. And when I when I look at it from that perspective, it, it it almost overwhelms me. I was just telling my son that just last night we were driving back from the TV studio. I said, I said you know what? I said I just think about some of the some of the decision I made 35 years ago or 30 years ago, whatever that seemed pretty insignificant, but had I t- changed that one idea and one thought and and not done that and to think that I could not be here with you right now, have my kids, I said, it's pretty overwhelming. You know, it's, it's like, as you get a little older, start looking back over your shoulder, going, wow, you know, so. so we have finished the end of the show. Is there anything that you guys would like to promote? Well, our new single, uh, it's called feels like this Texas in March wrote it with Greg Barnhill and Greg Beak and, uh, Texas is singing it with videos getting ready to come out we're taping the mike huckabee show on february 12th it'll air that saturday the 13th and we're going to do caroline and it feels like this on the show caroline go check that out it's on youtube go to our all our social media you know um you can go to our website you know uh, rocklandroad.com you can go to rockland road youtube channel or our facebook page you know and um we put out caroline on valentine's day last year we were really excited about it and um it was really taking off. We were so thrilled. They hit about 35,000 views on Facebook. Our new YouTube channel, we just hit 10,000 views, and then the lockdown happened. <laughs> and it was like, at that point, we had to go, well, 
it, it, didn't, it just didn't feel right promoting, hey, be sure and download our song. You know, you're all sitting at home wondering what's going to happen next. It just seemed like that wasn't a thing to do. So, but, but we're getting ready to put out the new single, Feels Like This. But, you know, please go like and check us out and share with your friends. Because, you know, we live in an age where that's, you know, that's how people get, you know, that's how people find out who we are. If they like, if they like your songs and stuff, you know, it's, it's a different day now than it used to be like 30 years ago when, it was, when I was playing with Exile. So much for watching the Spokane Man podcast and listening to it on Spotify and SoundCloud and wherever you guys get your podcast. And uh, thank you to my buddy, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Paul Martin. And uh, he, Paul Martin, he's a bad guy. He's a, <laughs> he's a freaking wizard. Uh, thank you, Paul, so much for having Thanks, us. Thanks, uh, We love you and uh, say hi to the family and say hi to the kids. I will do that, yeah. Summer, the girls are still in home, homeschool. They're, they're at tutoring right now. The boys are in the studio, and Kent March is doing a overdub right now. He just called me with a question right before I got on, on with you. So, <laughs> well, thank you, man, and uh, thank you to the listeners, and thank you for recording it. I love no you problem. Guys, I love you. <laughs>